Player from Wilmington, South or Wilmington, North Carolina, um, and this is Geek Church, and you're here. That's super dope. I'm excited. Um, so this morning, a uh, couple disclaimers on the message. Just to let you know, I'm going to be referencing Stranger Things season four. Also, uh, I won't spoil anything from Stranger Things season four by my best ability. I'm I've, I've played really hard not to. Um, but also, you don't have to know anything about Stranger Things to know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to give you some quotes. All I'm going to tell you is like a general outline and some quotes. So I don't want to spoil anything, but I also don't want to leave anybody behind. So cool? All right. Because um, like, you know, there's, I don't remember, there was a geek church a couple years ago, maybe 2019. And I said, I'm going to mention something from Endgame. And, you know, Endgame had been out like a year at that point. They're like, no, you'll spoil it. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're a church at a Comic-Con, and you're a year behind on Endgame. Shame on you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to judge your spiritual life, but you should be watching Endgame by now. Um, but uh, this morning, we're going we're gonna to be referencing uh, some stuff in Stranger Things Season 4. And just to say this, um, I know this. whenever I talk about stuff like this, and the same thing goes for the books or other stuff like that, just because I, I find something encouraging it, it doesn't mean you have to, and I'm not telling you you have to enjoy it or watch it. I'm just saying it's something that hit me. And um, as I was watching it, I watched, we watched all of the first half uh, that dropped with my, me and my teenage daughters, like the day it dropped. And it was, it, was a, it was an emotional roller coaster, and it kind of wrecked me in some spots. But one of the things that hit me so hard was the idea that of people, that people were hurting, A, and that when they held on to their hurts, they ended up being victims, or they ended up putting in danger of being victims. And one of the quotes from the show, um, Lucas is talking to Max, is that still pretty cool? Uh, Lucas was talking to Max, and it says, and by the way, for reference, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Vecna is the bad guy of the show, of this season at least, um, and he looks like the Grinch from Jim Carrey, skinned and purple. Um, so, uh, but he, he's very uh, kind of a Freddy Krueger-esque character that preys on the fears and uh, turmoil and pain of people and torments them with it. Um, and Lucas said, it's like everyone Vecna targets has something in their life, something that's in before he can finish, Max says, hurting them, haunting them. And it's like everybody that Vecna was going after, he was looking for people that were suffering. He was looking for people that were weak. He was looking for people that were damaged, and then he was using them as prey. And as I was watching that, um, my daughter, who's 14, and I don't know if you guys remember being a teenager, it can suck. Um, and as I'm watching having a teenager now, 
especially in the world around us, um, it can be really hard. And uh, just when my daughter was watching this, she had, that week at school had a, this is sensitive material, just to say this, sorry, trigger warning, if it's a, it's a thing for you, but she had someone at her school attempt suicide the same week that she watched this. And like, she was crying, I was crying, she was crying. It was this whole thing while we were watching this because when people feel like they have to hold on to things and that they're hurting, it makes them vulnerable to when they are being actually hurt and wounded and pursued. And you know, we don't have some purple dude uh, like trying to talk, sound like Batman when he talks to us and like hunting us. But that maybe one of the things that made me realize as I was watching the whole thing, there's this reference to Satan that, uh, uh, Peter mentions, he says, be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, I've always heard this verse, you know, growing, you know, being a teenager up in church, and, you know, uh, it's one of those things of like saying, oh, you know, Satan, he's trying to keep you out of heaven, he's trying to, listen, one of the things that I've learned so most is it's not even always about the end game, it's not even about the eternity aspect of Satan hunting us, it's to cause damage here and now. It's because he, you know, he can't steal our joy, he can't steal our salvation, but he can wound us to the point that we aren't able to really experience the joy that God has for us, the joy that Christ has for us. Because there's this verse that Jesus mentions in John 10, 10. And by the way, if you want all these references after this, if you're, you know, I don't expect people to roll up the con, taking notes. If you want these references later, holler out, email it to you. Um, but this is a verse that speaks to me on both levels on what Jesus' goal is and what Satan's goal is. It says, the thief comes to steal, only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The fact that we have someone who's not just worried about making our lives miserable in an eternity. We have someone who's currently trying to steal, trying to kill, trying to destroy. And when we hold on to things that make us vulnerable. We put ourselves in a place that our, our peace can be stolen, our joy can be stolen, our, our hope can be stolen. Our, the things that we actually hold tightly to can be destroyed. How many of you have seen just, you've, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, and it's taken something that used to be precious to you and just kind of, you can't even enjoy it anymore. Or places that you used to feel safe, you don't feel safe now. Y'all, that's a real thing. And I don't know all of your backgrounds. I don't know what all you're going through. I don't know what you came in here today with. I know like 20 people out of this room personally, but I don't know what all of you came with. And I just say this, if you're holding on to stuff, it's a hard thing to actually try and keep going, holding things in that are hurting you and causing damage to your heart and your soul. And just like Vecna was hunting people in Hawkins and around the world that were wounded, that were hurting, we have an enemy that's actually hunting us trying to do damage to our hearts and souls there. And these are some quotes from, from Vecna and towards the scattered throughout the series. I don't think it's too uh, spoilery. Um, he was talking to Maxine Boy. He says, you are brave, Maxine, much braver than your brother. But in the end, you will be weak and fragile just like him. Like all the rest of them, you will break. Um, they, they can't help you, Max. There's a reason you hide from them. No more lies, no more hiding. This is why you feel so much guilt, why you hide from your friends, why you hide from the world. And he's preying on these kids. He's attacking them and doing this because one of the things that the, we're, we see so often is we live in a culture that if you're truly hurt, not just offended, if you're truly hurt, it, you don't feel safe to share it. 
You don't have people that you can share it with. And we hide from the people that actually could be helpful to us. We hide from people that would listen to us. We hide from people that could do this. And because just, you don't really have to raise your hand if you want to. How many of you honestly know you have something that's hurting you right now that you don't have anyone you really feel comfortable sharing it with? It's a thing with this. And we, you know, even if we don't want to like to say that we have those moments in us, and that's stuff that makes us vulnerable. Not saying that you're weak, but it, it makes you vulnerable. Um, even, and this isn't just like a Hawkins thing, this is something that you see in scripture, even from like David and Solomon as well. It says, for my days disappear like smoke and my bones burn like hot coals. My heart is sick, withered like grass. I have lost my appetite because of my groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I don't know about you, but that's like, that, I feel that. <laughs> I felt like, oh, that's been me before. Um, but also it says the human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. God, I'm gonna tell you, we, can, we put on a face, we put on a show, we put you know, a front out there to say, you know, I'm good. But when we hold on to stuff that's hurting us inside and we don't actually deal with it, it causes damage to our lives. It causes damage to us on a, a daily basis, a real basis. And um, uh, one of the things the counselor told Max was, uh, what you've been going through and what you're still going through is a lot for anyone. And it's okay not to be okay, but it can o I can only help you if you're truthful, if you open up to me. Now, a school counselor telling a kid this, I don't expect a kid to listen to a school counselor. Like, I remember being a teenager. I remember what I thought of my school counselor. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, but I'm telling you this, we need people that we can actually lean into and trust and share with. Um, if you don't have a church, if you, I recommend you find a church, find a pastor. And let me just say this, this isn't just on a like go to church situation. If you need therapy, go to therapy. Yeah. I'm just gonna say this in case you didn't know, you can love Jesus and have a therapist. <laughs> you can love Jesus and go to counseling. You, listen, we have a mental health, we have a spiritual health, and it's okay to seek help for both. Um, so note it, okay. Um, but we need people that we can actually trust to reach out to and to lean into. And Miss Kelly was telling that to Max, but she didn't really use that opportunity other than you know to steal from her. Um, so we have to be in a place where we're willing to actually have people we can lean on and trust. And um, one of the most encouraging, mm, let me lower that here. Sorry. One of the most encouraging, uh, discouraging scriptures to me. discouraging scripture but to me it's also very encouraging um, and this is when Jesus was heading to the cross it was like the the night before the crucifixion um, it says they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples sit here while I pray he took Peter James and John along with him keep that in mind he took Peter James and John he had 12 dudes he took three um, he had 12 Peter James and John with him and began deeply he began to be deeply distressed and troubled you know we, we sing just like, you know, about, yeah, our God, Jesus, woo, rock. Um, we just sing, you know, about how powerful Jesus, listen to this, the day before Jesus went to the cross, he was deeply troubled and distressed. He struggled just like we struggle with things. And he says this, and um, 
when I can just tell you this, whenever I felt overwhelmed, whenever I felt depressed, whenever I felt like I'm broken, this next phrase has given me so much peace, knowing that it came from Jesus. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Knowing that someone that overcame this world, that overcame death, that overcame sin, knowing that someone that went through that also felt that way, encourages me. <laughs> it encourages me a lot knowing that he could be in that place and still do what he did. And, but he said, my soul, soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that, prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. He prayed, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup for me, yet not what I will, but you will. Just say this. He said, God, if there's another way, please do it. He didn't want to go into what was about to happen. And he was literally, in the term Abba there is the intimate version of Father. He went from saying, dear Father, to Daddy. It's the difference. And he said, Daddy, please. Now, my kids don't even call me daddy. They're like, dad, dude, sup. Like, that's, my kids don't call me daddy. If one of my kids literally looked at me and gave me, like, the puss in boots eyes and said, daddy, I'm dead. <laughs> dead. I don't even tell them no now. If they did that now, like, then it's over. But he literally prayed daddy to his father and said, I don't want this to happen. He was overwhelmed, he was wounded, he was hurting, and he prayed that. And going a little further in a different uh, account of this as well, it says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He was, this wasn't just like a, oh, I feel bad. This was, he was broken. He was broken and he was looking for a way to reach out to God to get that. I'm gonna tell you this, this is encouraging to me, that he went through this because it shows me that you can make it through this. But also, it was encouraging me two things that he did here. He leaned on his people and he leaned on God. Now, Jesus had a closer relationship with God than I will ever have. Jesus had a closer relationship with God than we will see here. But he literally brought back up. He brought three of the disciples. Now, these guys were knuckleheads and they made foolish life choices plenty of times. <laughs> Um, but he brought these three guys with him to pray. Think about that. He didn't need them to pray, but he brought them with them as support. Because he said, I need you to stay awake. I need you to stay with me. Even in that moment, he had friends that he needed to lean on and that he wanted for encouragement. Um, if you go back to Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 53, there's a passage that like, tells all about who Jesus is going to be like 700 years before he walks the earth in physical form like that. There's a passage there, Isaiah 53, and it says, and prophetically, he is a man of sorrows, a way with much grief, that he, was, that he had loneliness. It said 700 years before you got here, you're going to be lonely. Isn't that great? It's like, hey, you're going to get here, but you're going to be terribly lonely. That would suck. Um, and one of my, this is just a little Bible nerd thing. He read that prophecy growing up in the temple. Imagine being like 12 and reading this girl, hey, you're going to be lonely your whole life. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> but he leaned on his people, and he leaned on God. And I don't know if I can stress, I know this sounds simple, but I'm going to tell you, it's a big deal. Because so many of us, we don't lean on other people, and we don't lean on God, and we try and carry everything ourselves, and that is crushing. Even if you don't have an enemy after you, that is crushing to try and do all that together. Um, 
Lucas, uh, when Max was in trouble, Lucas made this quote. He says, I don't want a letter. Just talk to me. Talk to your friends. We're right here. I'm right here. Okay, I'm right here. There was a point where Max in the story didn't think that she was going to make it. And so she wrote letters to all of her friends in case something happened to her, to say her goodbyes. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. It was my pancreas. I'm cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I thought I was dying, I literally grabbed my kids and told them, okay, here's everything you need to know, and I love you. Peace out. <laughs> and I, I was like tears. I, thought, I literally thought I was dying. Uh, my pancreas had swollen to the point it was pushing against my rib cage. So I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I gave my kids the goodbye speech. And um, this was that. Max was saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Here's what I need you to know. And Lucas says, I don't want this. I'm right here for you right now. And I'm going to tell you this. There are people in your life right now that feel this way about you. There are people in your life right now that want to be here for you, that want to be there for you, that want to listen, that want to carry your burdens. You may not believe it, because I'm going to tell you this. I am the most goldfish mentality when it comes to thinking people care. You know, like I learned from Ted Lasso, um, a goldfish has a 10-second memory. If you tell me you love me, and I don't see you for 10 seconds, and you, you tell me again, I don't believe it anymore. It's gone. I forgot it. If you tell me I can trust you or count on you, 10 seconds later, it's over. I forgot it again. And I need that, I need that reassurance sometimes because my insecurities and my own heart will tell me none of that's valid anymore. There are people right now who want you to lean on them, that want you to be there, for, that want to be there for you to encourage you. But we don't always believe that. We don't always trust that. There's a scripture, Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Um, Two points to this. When we carry other people's burdens, it literally says you're fulfilling the law of Christ. You're doing the whole thing in one action when you actually carry each other's burdens. Let me flip this over, though. You, this means you also have to let other people carry your burdens. Some of you read that and like, yeah, I need to carry more of my friend's burdens. No. Maybe. Maybe. But don't go there. Go to the point you actually need to let other people carry yours. Because if you're holding on to stuff and you're not trusting other people to actually help you carry stuff, it's a hard place to be. So you need to let other people carry burdens. And this other thing, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. Anybody feel like you're in a time of adversity? <laughs> you feel like there's some stuff and you need some brothers that are born for this. Don't just lean on yourself. Lean on the people that actually are there for you. And I, I can tell you this, it took me until like 37 years old to realize I suck at investing in friendships. I will say, tell me you need me and I'll be there. And I'll show up and I'll like, I'll drive from here to Orlando just to help you, you know, or I'll drive from here to there. I'll, you know, I'll do this. I, I built servanthood, not friendships. I didn't build relationships. I built a service attitude. I'm going to tell you this, you can serve people. But you actually need to build relationships where it's not just based on what you do for them. You actually need to build it where you can actually lean on them. He didn't have the disciples do anything but be there to pray. And then they fell asleep. So, you know, they're going to let you down. Let me just say this. Your friends will let you down. The people you lean on will let you down. But just on a simple physics level, if you lean on someone and then fall over, it's still better than just falling over. 
<laughs> if you lean on someone, at least they broke your fall. <laughs> you, they, you, mo you may both go down, but you went down softer. <laughs> and when Jesus took those guys to the garden, he, they may have fell on, fallen asleep, but at least he wasn't alone. At least he wasn't alone in what came next. And let me just say this. There's this point where uh, once Jesus started doing miracles, and it was a public thing that he was doing miracles, all these people flocked to him and started giving him attention. But this is what comes after this. This is right after the wedding where he turned water into wine, and then he started doing healing and stuff. It says, many people believed in him. And then right before this, or this is what happens right before this, but it says, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. He says that all these people said, yes, I'm going to be there for you. And he's like, that's cool, but I'm not going to put the whole weight of all I am on you. Listen, you can, you can let people carry your burdens, but you don't need to let people carry your self-worth. You can let people carry your burdens, but they don't need to carry your identity. And we need to lean on people, but also we need to learn. There's a difference between me leaning on you and me running and jumping and expecting you to hold me up. Anyone want to demonstrate? Um, <laughs> I believe in you all. Um, and uh, there's this, but as it goes back, uh, one of the things is G, uh, Lucas told them that, you know, I'm, your friends are here for you, but then when everything was falling apart, they wanted 11. They wanted L, but the little girl with superpowers. But at that point in the story, she doesn't have superpowers anymore. And everybody's consensus is this. We need L to get her powers back. That's what Max says. Uh, Steve responded, everything was e way easier. We had this girl. She had superpowers. Eddie responds, superpowers. Yeah, you mentioned her. Their thought was, you know, lean on your friends. But then the next thing they went to was, it would sure be easier if we had some power stronger than our own strength to lean on in this time. We, we need something better than what we can do. Because these kids knew we can't do this on our own. We need something bigger, something stronger. Now, their, their focus was like a little girl with nosebleeds. And I'll tell you this. We have a better power that we can lean on than a girl who dramatically goes like this. Now, I love Eleven. I love Millie Bobby Brown. It's not, there's no hate on that. I'm just telling you this. We're so quick to look for other things to put our trust in, but there's nothing more solid than the God we call out to. And that's the power we need to lean on. And uh, it says this, not just on the other stuff, but that he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Um, I'm going to tell you this. I've, I've never actually broken a bone, so that's cool. But I, my heart's been broken a million times. And every time that I've actually gone to God with it, he's actually healed me with it. He's healed broken stuff in me. I might still have a wound, and it's usually because I'm anxious and I pick at my scabs, and I pick at my scars, and I pick at my wounds. But God's provided healing in ways I never expected. But one of the things that we really see here, and I think this is something we all may struggle with, First uh, Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Other versions say, cast all your cares on him, cast all your troubles on him. How many of y'all have stuff that you won't let other people touch, but you also won't let God touch? You're holding on to stuff inside that not only are other people not allowed to handle, but you also aren't even bringing it to God. Because maybe you say, well, he knows already. 
or you know, there's no point in asking him. I'm gonna tell you this, a lot of us have stuff in our hearts and our lives that God would do something about if we would just trust him enough to actually go with him. But uh, one of the things that, uh, that always uh, stands out to me when I think of this, stand out's funny, um, is a goofy movie. When it's talking about the cast, the perfect cast, that was like, I know this is not even relevant to the Stranger Things topic, <laughs> but I'm, you know, scatterbrained. Um, but when they're like, the perfect cast, you know, like if you're doing the whole thing. Um, I'm telling you this, the perfect cast for us is when we can actually take our troubles and yeet them to Jesus. <laughs> because most of us, when we actually have problems, when we have hurt, we're like, here, God. And we like gently hold it out and hold on to it. Like, here. If you don't do something about it really quick, I'm going to take it back. Cast, eat. Like, you get rid of them. And we need to be at the place where we can honestly trust that we can show our God that we can let go of what we are holding on to it ourselves and give it to someone else. Um, another scripture in the same vein before we close up is this. Um, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many of us, are we're weary, we're heavy burdened, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're broken, but we don't actually go to him. We just hold on to it. We don't actually go to him. And there's so many times that I've, you know, I toss and turn a lot at night. Um, and I've got shoulder problems and it hurts and I'm like, I'm just rolling around like an awkward potato. And so often I'll end up uh, yanking my wall plug out of the wall when I'm charging my phone at night. And it's connected, but it's not actually plugged into the source. And so many times we'll acknowledge that God's there, we'll acknowledge God can do things in our lives, but we won't come to him to actually get the rest and the burden that we can receive with that. And so many of the stuff that we hold on to, we can find peace from if we would simply exchange what he offers versus what we carry. I don't know what you're holding on to right now, but I can tell you this, there's something you're holding on to today that he would gladly exchange for peace. There's something you're holding on to today that he would gladly exchange for rest if you would simply trust him to do that. Um, so just in closing, say the stuff that you're hurting from, the stuff that you feel anxious about, the stuff that you're worried about, the stuff that's hurting you, you need to not run from it. You need to not carry them alone. And you need to bring them to your God. And I just want to encourage you that don't, don't try and carry all this stuff by yourself. Don't try and carry your wounds. Don't try and do this alone. And, you know, find your community. Find your people. Find the folks that you can trust to lean on. Because when you actually find those people, it makes a big difference. So I just want to say thank you for uh, our time together this morning. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I'm going to take a quick picture before people bounce. If you want to smile and not, because I was yeet. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's what I wanted to share with you is this, because I know that whether you watch that show or not, you've gone through some of the stuff we're talking about. I know that you carry stuff in your life that hurts, that is wounding you. And I just want to encourage you, find people you can lean on. Find a relationship with God that you can lean on. And one of, the, one of the great things is this. Sometimes you can't get to God on your own, but if you have good people you're leaning on, they'll help get you to him.
And when you find the right people to lean on, they'll help you to get to that place when you can't get there on your own. Like the people that like rip the roof open to drop the paralytic man down, find the people that you can lean on that'll actually help you get you to God when you can't get there on your own. Um, thank you for our time together this morning. Our time is up, so I don't wanna uh, hold you past the time or be uh, really selfish with that. If you have any questions, uh, I'll take a second to do that, but also if you, have, you can reach me at any of the things, just look up Faith and Fandom, you'll find me. Today I'll be on the show floor down by the Artist Alley flag. Uh, right when Artist Alley starts, there's a big blue flag. I'm right to the right of it. So uh, thank you all. Thank you for your time this morning. If you enjoyed this this morning and you want it to keep happening, make sure you uh, tell GalaxyCon um, and say thank you for letting us have this. Make sure we do it again. Um, give them good feedback if you like it. If you didn't like it, don't worry about saying anything. <laughs> Y'all have a great day.